People like you, organizations like Rape Check, I love you guys. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Ramp Check Podcast. I'm Tony. Uh, this is Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, Aaron. Wow. <laughs> and I am still little brother Ryan. I'm it's me. <laughs> Aaron, uh, Aaron apparently is uh, still drinking from the Fourth of July party. <laughs> hey, a cold one. It's um, it's after six and it's after seven uh, for our guests that we're going to introduce here in a minute. Ha- have another one, America. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, Go ahead, and, uh, Tony. And as Aaron <clears throat> mentioned, we do have a very special guest uh, joining us here for uh, this edition of the Ramcheck Podcast. He's our most recent uh, expert avgeek level patron, Patreon, whatever you call it. Patron. Uh, patron. <clears throat> Bra- uh, Brandon Finland dash. I'm not even going to try and say the last. <laughs> no, you butcher I, that one. I, right. <laughs> But it's a fun butcher, if you think about it. <laughs> yes. I mean, if you just want to go with Finland, that's fine. Okay. How do you say the last part? So we it's don't. Fuxa. It is Fuxa. So I had it right in, in yeah, the pre, it's, it's pre-recording. So that's kind of why it's probably throwing Tony off. <laughs> I'm just going to get it out of the way and, and just say I was going to say Fuxa. But yeah. um, I've, I've heard that as well. Oh, I'll bet, I'll bet if you had a nickel, uh, you wouldn't need to be on the Ramp Check podcast. <laughs> no, I'd probably be, I would probably own the podcast. Yeah, probably. We'd be working for you. Yeah. We'd be working for you. But I mean, uh, he, he said it right the first time when he mentioned my name. So oh, I, I had high expectations yeah. for him, and then he just, you know, let me yeah. down. Sometimes words are tough for Tony, you know. To ha. No, that's shut up. Words are hard. (laughs) So, so anyway, um, uh, a lot of our listeners would probably know Brandon more uh, through his Instagram, which is really cool. It's it's at aircraft over Offit, and Offit is Offit Air Force Base. In Nebraska. uh, In Nebraska. So they, um, I'm not even going to go into the details of Offit because I know Brandon's like the expert um, about everything Offit. But anyway, so Brandon, uh, I'll just throw out the first question, man. I mean, thanks for coming on and uh, thanks for your support, Ram Check. And uh, what basically got you? Yeah, go ahead, ahead, Tony. Go right ahead. Quick, can I just ask this question before we get on yes. with everything? I mean, I guess. Okay, so <laughs> exactly. So, Give him shit, Brandon. Give him shit. So, so Brandon, if you're yes. like, if you're like at a spot where you're spotting and taking pictures that you're not supposed to be, does security police come up here and say, uh, "Hey, fucksa, get off it"? Oh my Sorry. god! Okay. Get off it! Uh, I just wow. had to get it out. Never, wow. Actually, I've never had any issues with the with the fifty fifth security forces. I mean, I've had them like drive past, but usually I'm pretty smart about how I approach spotting and stuff like that. So yeah, I, sure. I usually don't have to worry about 
any issues with them. I mean, they've come by every now and then, but other than that, like I've, I've never had any issues outright. That's yeah. Awesome. You've got some, you've got some amazing pictures on your Instagram. I'm just kind of scrolling through them right now. So um, I'll just stop being an idiot and I'll uh, <laughs> defer to Aaron now. So he can ask a serious question. <laughs> That'll yeah, be we'll hard. Have to have more serious questions. Yeah, yeah. I I'll, know. Let, I'll let I'll let <laughs> Aaron ask the grown-up questions. <laughs> the more typical. Yeah. Okay. So, first of all, I okay. So my first question, then I'll I'll ask you, and then we can get into more details about you, and then more about Offit. Um, yeah, yeah. What is your favorite aircraft based at Offit? Based at Offit. Everybody should already know that by now. Well, oh, I know what it is, but you need to tell the listeners. Uh, it happens to be the Boeing E-4B Nightwatch is probably mm-hmm. by far my favorite aircraft that we operate here at Offutt Air Force Base. Yeah, That is beautiful. That is one sexy airplane. Yeah, yeah. I think we all agree with that. Yeah, and there's only four E-4. in the entire United States Air Force. Yeah, so, wow, that's crazy. And for those uh, maybe first-time listeners or or listeners that maybe uh, would you know join our Patreon as beginner av geeks, um, basically, what is the E four, Brandon? For everybody out there who might not know, so the E four is our National Airborne Operations, you know, command aircraft. It's basically a flying Pentagon, essentially. Uh, if the president ever needs to, you know, if Air, if Air Force One is, you know, ever, you know, inoperable and stuff like that, and he needs, you know, another aircraft during, you know, say nuclear war and stuff like that, he yeah. can actually use the E-4B Nightwatch as his means of transportation because it can survive uh, EMP attacks. It can stay airborne just as long as Air Force One with, you know, with aerial refueling and stuff like that. So it mm-hmm. basically provides him, the Secretary of Defense, or, you know, anybody within, like, the Pentagon, the Joint Chief of Staff, basically mm-hmm. command and control of our ground forces should, say, uh, U.S. STRATCOM is destroyed during a nuclear war, essentially. Yeah. And and what airframe, what Boeing airframe is this based on? It is the same as Air Force One. It is a heavily modified uh, Boeing 747-200. Yes, and the, the 200 so, is just, it's that classic, oh, you know, yeah. 747 jumbo look. I love it. Yeah. It, is, this, um, is this the one that's called, like, the Doomsday aircraft? Yes. Even the though, the, yeah. even though the the five ninety fifth command and control right. group C two G, shout out to you know all the guys that uh, fly. They usually don't use Doomsday plane. That's mm-hmm. more so like the media that dub the E four B Nightwatch as the Doomsday plane. I don't call it the Doomsday plane. Okay. I usually just call it Nightwatch. Some people prefer the the old. Uh, name which is like the the national okay. emergency airborne command post or kneecap for short yeah or you can just call it the naoc too as well yeah okay and, so, and wait what i need i need to ahead. jump in here just for a second so uh, over the fourth of july weekend because we just celebrated the uh you know independence uh-huh. day here in the united states on the fourth <laughs> wasn't a brandon wasn't there an e4 flying around with with the call sign like america or something like that <laughs> yeah there was an e4b that was flying uh with the call sign america 
Yeah, that's so cool. I love that's how they awesome. do that. <laughs> well, so actually, they get really uh, so creative awesome. with the call signs, especially during like during like the holidays. I remember one time spotting, and I ended up getting a uh, a shot of an E four B. Its call sign was uh, Jingle Two Five. <laughs> it also was. Uh, they also used Jingle. That's uh, what awesome. what call sign? What was that last one? It was uh, Grinch. <laughs> so, the guys in the nice. uh, you get very creative with the call signs when they fly the E4 around uh, the U.S. Nice. And, so, and I, I, I love how you're giving, uh, giving them credit, too, because... Oh, yeah. You know, it's oh, yeah. like what, what these, you know, men and women in our military do, and, and especially, like, with this aircraft, it's it's pretty amazing what they train for. Um, yeah, we hope they never have to use it right. for what it was intended. <laughs> yeah. So, no. so speaking of what they've trained for, and hopefully we never have to use it. Right. Do you think if the call ever came, the shit hit the fan? Do you think this baby's going to go to uh, Washington D.C. or Miralago, Florida? <laughs> uh, more likely to go to Andrews Air Force Base. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh boy! Here we go, Tony. I just had to throw it out there. Yeah, yeah. And I was not falling for it this time. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay. I know how these uh, podcasts go, and I know you can go on quite a bit of a tangent. So I'm just like, no, he threw me a softball. I'm a hit in the field, and uh, that's that. And then that's it. All right. That's great, good. Great answer. That's good. So Mar-a-Lago it is. Um, no. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just, know. Yeah. They even got no. an airport down there? Oh, I'm I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know <laughs> which airport is. That he's got. I'm sure he does. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Air Force One went down there quite a bit. So yeah. I'll tell you what. There's something nearby. Pretty jealous, Brandon. Long enough runway, especially for the E4. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, you people need to really uh, jump on uh, aircraft over Offit on Instagram. If you're like a fan of the old, um, like Strategic Air Command era aircraft, especially the Boeing's, you know the the B fifty two, the B forty seven. Um, well, and then the you got seven airframes, and of course, the 747. Yeah. I mean, off at Air Force Base was like it, and it just you got some great stuff on there, Brandon. I know some of it is you know other people's photos that you reposted, but you've got some great yeah. stuff on here, yeah. Yeah, I just like stuff. showing you know other photographers whenever they you know catch you know the aircraft that we operate out of here. You know, it really means a lot to see, you know, what our aircraft, you know, are doing outside of off it and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. these aircrafts are, you know, have been in the Air Force for, you know, just as long as the B-52 and the KC-135. And not a lot of people, like, know that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, mm-hmm. I, I didn't really know everything about what I do know about off it today. You know, I kind of gradually learned about it as I got into, like, aviation photography and stuff like that. But it's always cool just to show, you know, the history that these aircraft has been through since, you know, they were first introduced in the early sixties and stuff like that. And, you know, like I said, these are pretty rare, unique aircraft that 
you don't normally get to see and photograph that that often unless you Mm -hmm. here. Yeah, I was going to say that you get to see him every day, which is yeah, yeah. Well, not not right now, obviously, but you know. (laughs) So. Go ahead, Tony. Go ahead with your thoughts. Oh, no, I was just going to say, just scrolling through these pictures, it's like I I would almost want to live near Offit more than Nellis because, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love all oh, the Jets. come on now. Come on now. But, but damn, <laughs> I, every I've t- always every time. been – you know me, brother. I've always been a fan of the heavies. I always Oh, I know. Been. I know. Every time <laughs> I, I go mean, to I'm, Nellis, though, there's always an Offit jet there. Oh, there is. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yep. I, I, how how uh, Brandon? How busy is that Air Force Base? Is it something that just like has activity almost every day? Or I'm I'm just curious how busy that that base is. Oh, uh, it it fluctuates. It's just whatever the wing has to meet, operation tempo wise and stuff like that. Uh, it's it's. I would say semi uh, fairly active when it comes to flying and stuff like that. Obviously right now, you know, it's with it not being in use because they're currently redoing the entire runway there at Offit, and it'll yeah. be completed by September of uh, next year. But I say it's, uh, it's pretty fairly active. You know, we get, like I said, it's not just, you know, the Offit aircraft, of course, you know, we occasionally will get the E6B Mercury that will, you know, stand ground alert here at Offit because, you know, we're also the headquarters for U.S. Stratcom. Mm-hmm. Occasionally we'll get a couple C-17s in here dropping, you know, parts or whatever and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, I'd, yeah, I would say it's semi-active. You're, yeah. you're bound to catch something, at least, okay. when if you ever come here for, like, a visit and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And and they're re, they're Damn, they're redoing nice. the runway there because what what year was it where all that flooding happened in Nebraska? That was 2019. That was actually a month after I got out of the Navy. Oh wow! When all that happened, dang, that's, yeah, that's crazy. That's so that's actually a perfect segue into let's go into your history a little bit, um, yeah, yeah. and uh, what got you into aviation. Um, you just mentioned you were in the Navy. Um, yeah. yeah, take us back. What what you know began this journey and and your love <laughs> of aviation that you have now? Well, it all started when my mom and dad met one another back in the <laughs> yeah, Here we go. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, you're just, hey, just like has. <laughs> well, he didn't say how far how back. Else. You know. <laughs> 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 all right fast forward so, okay so, fast yeah. so you went you went to prom with your dad left with your mom we get it all right what's next basically kind of all started for me uh back in kind of the sixth grade honestly you know just before i transitioned into middle school and stuff like that uh I had a grandfather who uh, did one year in Vietnam. He served from 1970 to 71 as a uh, field artillery specialist. Ooh, wow. Uh, he he kind of was the one that kind of got the ball rolling for me in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, because back in 2008, he took me to my first Offit Air Show. And I didn't even know that the Offit Air Show has been going on since like 1972. Oh, so I kinda, I've kind of been like missing out since then. But he kind of like you know, push me in that direction a little bit because I remember 
was sitting at home and he used to live with us at the time and he had saw something in the newspaper saying that Offit was having an air show. Well, he came back from doing errands and stuff like that and he was like, mm-hmm. hey, Offit's doing an air show. Would you want to go? And I was like, heck yeah. I mean, I actually remember this to a T. Like, I literally got up, went to like the back door to grab my shoes because I thought we were going to right then and there <laughs> because I had never been to an air show before. And he's like, oh, no, no, it's like, you know, two weeks from now. I'm like, oh, darn. I was like, I can wait. wait." (laughs) And so, you know, when the day of the air show came, it was Saturday because usually, you know, most air shows aren't Saturdays and Sundays and stuff like that. So we went to the the Saturday show Mm -hmm. and, you know, we parked at uh, a local high school, Bellevue West University, and Offit does shuttles to Offit. Hmm. Uh, Bellevue West happens to be one of four locations that the shuttles go to so we went parked in the parking lot of the school hopped on a normal school bus the school bus took us all the way onto base and stuff like that you know got through security went through make sure you know everything was good and stuff like that and then you just see you know a wide variety of static displays and I was just like absolutely blown away I mean here I am uh, you know <clears throat> a uh, sixth grader going into middle school and I'm just like blown yeah. away with like all these wide varieties <laughs> of aircraft. I mean, this is like my first time being up close to, you know, F fifteen E strike Eagles, A ten, sixteen. What year was that when roughly when you're sixth grade? What what time frame so we can get an idea of the statics? Two thousand what? Two thousand eight. Okay, cool. Yeah. God, you're just you're a young buck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so but, yeah. yeah just seeing all these aircraft you know up close and personal like that which is mind-blowing and then when you see like all the all the acts you know it's my first time actually seeing the united states air force thunderbirds and stuff like that and mm-hmm. watching you know the precision that they you know showcase through the entire performance was just absolutely mind-blowing and stuff like that and yeah it, it, was, uh, it was a fun experience for me so I pretty much had gone to, you know, every show, every show since then, uh, except for obviously when I joined the Navy in, uh, 2015, but, and well, also I'd take that back 2013 because of, uh, the sequester. Thanks Obama. Mm, Uh, But yeah, I pretty much have gone since from 2008 to up until, you know, before I left to join the military. So I haven't been to an office air show since 2014. Oh wow. oh, wow. Yeah, it's been a hot minute. And with the runway, you know, being rebuilt and everything like that, probably will not get an air show until maybe 2023 or 2024 at the earliest because mm-hmm. it's a whole two-year process to, you know, get the, the vendors lined up, you know, to get the, yeah. you know, the support and stuff like that from around the community and this, that. So a lot of planning goes into these air shows, believe it or not. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it really does. Been, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've actually gone to other air shows that are not. I've been to, uh, I've been to NAS El Centro out in California. Cause I was stationed in San Diego while I was in the Navy Nice. I've also been to Marine Corps Air Station Miramar for their show, and then I've also gone to, uh, well, obviously I did Nellis for Red Flag and stuff like that. Oh, and I went down to Whiteman in 2019, so that was actually fun. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Whiteman. <clears throat> wow. So, so yeah, I've, I've been kind of like all over the place, basically. 
What, uh, yeah. Brandon? What was your What was your job in the Navy? I was a ship serviceman of SH. So basically, what that entails me or entails is uh, I provided services for the crew essentially. So we had a barber shop, we had a laundry room, we had a ship store. Uh, we had vending and snack machines, and then we also had a uh, Starbucks on board. Oh, <laughs> so, so you joined the All Navy right. and became a barista, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I was uh, I was stationed on board a uh, USS Boxer, which is uh, LHD four. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Ship. So okay. it's a lot smaller than an aircraft carrier, but, you know, bigger than, you know, a de- destroyer and a cruiser and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, right. that's call cool, though. Small boys. <laughs> well, There's hey, I mean, people. somebody's got to take care of the crew. You know, when you guys are out at sea, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there there's definitely important positions all over the boat. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, <clears throat> they're like little towns. Out yeah. Water. yeah, yeah, no, serious. I, I think it's well, I actually hear recently run all that. I re-listened to uh, the podcast episode that you had with uh, with Sluggo. Oh yeah, and, uh, <clears throat> he kind of talked about how he, you know, got to see, you know, at first hand the action for, you know, on board the Iwo Jima and stuff like that, and that's one mm-hmm. of our sister ships and stuff like that. But yeah, he was pretty much, you know, spot on. I mean, besides just being, you know, straight up you know, warship vessel and stuff like that. Yeah. We provide humanitarian aid for, you know, yeah. whatever those natural disasters and stuff like that, especially as an SH, we had, uh, basically like a stockpile, like laundry detergent and stuff like that, that we kept in one of our storm rooms in the, you know, in the laundry area and stuff like that. And my master chief had told me like, you know, all this detergent is, you know, in case, you know, there's a natural disaster, or stuff like that, and we got to help provide fresh clothing and stuff like that. Like we will literally go oh, out of our way. Oh, that's like, cool! Laundry and stuff like that. I wouldn't and, even know, think that. Yeah, haircuts and stuff like that. You know, we can also you know provide snacks and stuff like that if we need if need be and stuff like that. It's just you know whatever the commanding officer decides to say. Hey, this is what we need to do. You know to assist whatever you know country is going through something, and then you know right then and there, it's like we'll we'll be ready to help out any way we can. Did you, um, while you were on this ship, did you have a mission or humanitarian aid mission that you participated in? No, I was only in for about four years. Uh, I did at least do uh, one deployment, a Westpac deployment in 2016, but no humanitarian efforts. But uh, if if need be, we were always ready. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I... It's it, it's amazing that I mean there's a lot of people in a lot of countries around the world that love the United States and what it stands for, but it's absolutely amazing at the amount of people who hate the United States and that yeah. just give the United States so much shit and and yet you know we'll put together a navy that can deliver humanitarian aid security protection you know clothe people um power their city power their damn cities and like and we would do it in a moment's notice like it's just not even a question it's like if 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 something bad happens it's i mean here we are 
And I don't know. It just it, it pisses me off that you know we we the United States through a lot a lot of countries and a lot of people just give us so much shit and it's like ne- never in the history of the world has a superpower like the United States you know done so much good for the world with i mean seriously if if we were bad people i mean it we could basically <laughs> control anything and everything that we wanted but well, it's, it's like, like we, we don't even have to help them if we don't want it. If we didn't really, yeah, want to, yeah, you know? exactly. We, that's not who we are. We go out of our way to help people. Like you know, that's right. Who are you know as a country to our core? Like we help those that are in need, mm-hmm. regardless of right. whether you appreciate us or you don't. Right. Well, that's the and thing. We, like Americans, in my opinion, are in general people that want to help. You know, like. Yeah, You know, that's why I don't understand why, even though we get the hate that we get, it's like, we don't really care. We put that behind us and we're like, yeah, we'll still help you because, you know, that's just who we are. So I, anytime we talk to people like you, Brandon, just anyone that's been in the, the service and, and yeah, that's in the military, enough. man, like we appreciate your service because we're, mm-hmm. we're living our lives. We are because because of you guys you know so yeah. right i mean don't get me wrong you know i had my you know i had my good days and i yeah. had my bad days and stuff like that that's what everybody has regardless mm-hmm. of what job it is mm-hmm. and stuff like that you know i didn't have my family station out there with me you know i spent it you know by myself essentially while i was out there for you know four years and stuff like that but you know yeah. always did get you know leave and stuff like that so where i can come back home for the holidays you know to spend time with family and stuff like that but i understood you know when i signed the contract and everything like this is a job that has to be done you know you're gonna make a lot of sacrifices and stuff like that mm-hmm. and you know did, that's what a, did, a lot of us did did um being that you kind of got the aviation bug you know, a little while ago and, and going to the air shows and stuff. When you were in the Navy, did you, uh, do you have any like cool experiences that, you know, to share that maybe something you flew in that was really cool or some, you know, just something aviation related? I mean, unfortunately, I didn't get to ride in anything. I would have loved to have gotten to fly. Uh, I know yeah. that when, you know, when Boxer would usually go into flight ops and stuff like that, uh, we were allowed to go up to what's known as Vulture's Row, which is like in between like the, the island of the ship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can watch flight quarters from there. So, of course, you know, when Boxer is underway out at sea and stuff like that, you know, essentially when you were out at sea, you're usually driving off the coast of San Diego and stuff like that. Well, when you're getting ready for a deployment, you get a Marine unit attached to you. So you get a a Marine expeditionary unit assigned to your ship. Mm-hmm. So when the, you know, Marines came on board and stuff like that, they would bring all their, you know, their CV 22 Ospreys, you know, the H one Z Vipers, you know, their Cobra. And then of course they've got their AVAB Harriers. Those that have nice. over to the F 35 and both times that I've had AVAB Harriers on Boxer, they were both from uh, VMA 214, the Black Sheep. Oh, yeah, out of Yuma. Uh, yeah. 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 The Yuma boys, yeah. So, so they would get attached to uh, – so when I went on my Westpac deployment in 2016, we <laughs> had uh, 
13th Marine Expeditionary Unit assigned to us. And just before I, I got out, they were doing a, a workup for another deployment, and they had the 11th Marine Expeditionary Unit uh, come on board. So usually I would go up whenever I wasn't working and stuff like that, head up to Vulture's Row. You know, you have to wear earring protection and stuff like that. And oh, especially with Harriers. Yeah, with the Harriers <laughs> and stuff like that. And then I could just stay, stay up there and, you know, watch them, you know, take off and stuff like that. And then, you know, I, I'd get a thrill out of that. So I got my, you know, That's little cool. aviation fix while I was on the ship and stuff like that. But I've even walked through, like, that hangar bay without, you know, any hearing protection on when a Harrier comes in. And it doesn't phase me. I'm like, oh. it's, it's that close and it's that loud when, you know, they come in and land and stuff like that. Yeah. There's, it's it's like, it will deafen you. I mean, ex- especially when you're going from one side of the hangar bay to the other. Yeah. It's, it doesn't, it's not really like, you know, not that long and stuff like that, but it almost somewhat seems like an eternity. But, it, you know, I, I still get a kick out of it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the Harriers, man. I, you know, you you probably know this. I mean, years ago, I worked the ramp at Phoenix Mesa Gateway Airport, and uh, the Harrier units from Yuma would come in and out all the time. And I mean, I remember, you know, working shifts where we would we would recover and launch and recover and launch, you know, eight Harriers, you know, in an afternoon, uh, yeah. and it, it was just so cool and. You know, the pilots were always cool. I mean, those Marines were always great to deal with, and they were always respectful to us, you know, just these, you know, punks working the ramp. <laughs> but, yeah. and, and you'd always get your jet fuel bath. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, I've told that story before. Yeah, I've heard that story. The, uh, <laughs> the first time I ever remember uh, actually seeing a Harrier do – a vertical uh, takeoff was out at the Wendover Air Show mm-hmm. in Wendover, yeah. Utah. That had to have been late '80s, early '90s, right? When God, you guys. Oh, I thought. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hell, I mean, dude. I was, yeah. It was probably the last Wendover Air races, which was yeah, like I think '89. Maybe that was eighty. That was '89 because is, they. And, is that was, the one that I'm wearing my uh, my? My salmon-colored quicksilver shorts and my muscle tee, and I'm yeah, marshalling in the airplanes, and uh, yeah, I rode yeah. out on the on the uh, DC three. Yeah, I was I mean, gonna say, were you out there for an air show or trying to pick up women? <laughs> well, the way I was I'm dressed, you think I, I was know. trying to pick up on someone other than women, but that wasn't the case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, that image is out of my mind. Um, I just remember. Uh, how cool it was seeing a Harrier for the first time. Um, you know, I, I was probably 89, so I would have been nine years old. And, you know, I had already been, uh, I already had the aviation bug years before that. And then just seeing that, that aircraft. Um, yeah. You know, it was the first time in my life I had seen something that could take off and land that way. And, you know, go from, on the ground vertical takeoff to like forward flight and just get the hell out of there within seconds. It was pretty badass. The Harry yeah. is, is awesome aircraft. Well, you know, and, and speaking of that air show, you know, I mean, since we're talking air shows and just, you know, the Harriers, I mean, if you remember in 89, they had the F 15 C demonstration, which oh, was, was in 89. 
Which, yeah, <laughs> which was badass. Yeah, wasn't yeah. You, your your parents hadn't gone to the prom yet. Um, I, I was but, in my early twenties. Was, <laughs> was twenty in eighty nine. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so they, they had they had the Marines there with the Harrier, the Air Force with the F fifteen C demonstration. I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, we don't get to see the C demonstration anymore because it's all about the E model or yeah, yeah. They don't even do the Strike Eagle one anymore. Um, But then, but then, uh, and this is basically for Ryan and Tony because they were there. But you remember the F one eleven there? Yes, I do. And and you remember how it rolled off the runway and blew one of its huge ass tires? Oh my! Sat at the end of the runway for like two days. Forgot that. Yeah, yeah. I remember it now. Yeah, that it was cool to see the F one eleven. I mean that that was the first time that I'm pretty sure I had ever seen a Harrier, an F fifteen, and an F one eleven. Yeah, I mean it was it was pretty. Yeah, it was badass. I mean, talk about Cold War era, you know, <laughs> fighter right. power. You know, well, and they even they even had the uh, um, the two F eighty sixes, and it was a Mig. 15, I believe. Was that Rick? Yeah, it was, it was a MiG-15. Yeah, yeah. And MiG, yeah that, that's right. And, and a bunch of Warbirds, too. Yeah, a bunch of old Warbirds. That was a fun air show. <laughs> was, it felt you weren't on a massive Air Force base. I mean, Wendover Airfield is tiny. And, of course, it's legendary with its link to um, the Enola Gay. But uh, it's just Ooh. a small Ooh. airfield. And yeah. it was it was amazing. It was like it was like being at an air show in an intimate environment. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it good was old, good old days. Very intimate. Um, Tony even dressed for it. The, uh, yeah. Yeah, not, to, not to cut anybody off. No, go ahead. <laughs> so uh, before off at Air Force Base actually became you know off at Air Force Base as it is today, uh, the Glenn L. Martin bomber plant actually used to be where off at air force base is right now oh really wow and during world war ii the plant actually you know manufactured b26 marauders and stuff like that cool uh, the martin b26 well in 1944 when production switched from the b26 over to the b29 of the 500 i think it's 516 b29s uh yeah, was it Lieutenant Colonel Paul Tibbetts? Paul Tibbetts actually came to the plant. He did, wow. He off the assembly line the two B-29s that were eventually going to be modified under the program Silver Plate that dropped the two atomic bombs on mm-hmm. to end the war. Wow, right he, hand- in Nebraska. he handpicked them, huh? That's a pretty yeah. cool story. He, he yeah. personally came here, handpicked the two aircraft that would eventually become the Boxcar and the Enola Gay. Wow. And, uh, wow. That is cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I want to keep talking about aviation because, well, that's what the podcast <laughs> is. But, uh, Brandon, we want to I want to hear a little bit about your deployments. Um, you know, there, we've we've obviously <laughs> we've obviously got listeners that want to go the military route into the Air Force. But I mean, obviously, the U.S. Navy has a huge uh you know, aviation presence as well. But if, if someone's going to go in, they're not going to fly. They're going to do a little bit of something else. Just kind (laughs) of tell me about, tell us all about your, a little bit about the deployment, kind of what you, what you experienced, some of the ports you guys stopped in, if any, and, and just, yeah, take it from there. 
Yeah. Uh, let's see. We left uh, February 11th, 2016. Uh, our first port visit actually happened to be uh, Hong Kong in China. It was about a uh, six-week trip to get from San Diego all the way out to you know Hong Kong and stuff like that for this deployment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once we got to Hong Kong, you know we actually didn't pull up to a pier. We actually anchored out in the harbor, and we took uh, what are known as Liberty boats. They're just small little like civilian passenger boats and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. they would ferry us to a nearby pier, and we would get off on the pier and then they had buses there waiting for us and they would take us to like a designated drop off point and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then we were left to, you know, go venture out and, you know, see the sites of Hong Kong, you know, before everything that's, you know, currently gone on with China and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, and of course you knew all the restricted areas that you weren't allowed to go because, you know, shore patrol was out, you know, watching you, you know, in case anybody was stupid enough to go do it. I was kind of, fairly, <laughs> I was kind of fairly new. So I didn't really have like a whole lot of friends or knew a lot of people to hang out with. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I found some, you know, good people that I, you know, knew I was going to have any problems with and stuff like that, that I <clears> went <throat> to was, go sightseeing with. But yeah, was there, was there plenty of penicillin on the ship just in case those guys did go to the places they weren't supposed to go? Oh, God. I have no idea. That would be like, the medical department, and I wasn't in the medical department. I was in the supply, so I have no idea. <laughs> well, you, you, yeah, you were around laundry, though, weren't you? <laughs> right. I'm washing my own damn clothes. Yeah. How many... Uh, um, so how many... Were you part of like a carrier air group or a, a battle group or how many ships were no, involved? So, uh, amphibious assault ships like Boxer has their own uh, own little small ready group. It's a amphibious ready group or ARG for short, and it comprised usually Boxer and then two other small ships. They were usually uh, LPDs or LSDs and stuff like that. And yes, that's the actual terminology for the <laughs> they're more they're they're not like destroyers and stuff like that they're more like docking ships like true transport type ships mm-hmm. stuff like that so we had uh the uss new orleans uh go with us that year and then uh, i'm blanking on the other ship's name but that i mean that doesn't really matter but yeah usually it's just like uh three ships for uh, a famous ready group and stuff like that oh yeah. i see so, yeah, so we pulled into or yeah, we anchored off Hong Kong and stuff like that, got to go sightsee and stuff like that. And then we left Hong Kong about a week. We stayed there for a week, left. And then this is the worst part of the entire deployment by far. We went 72 straight days out at sea and did not hit a single port until we got to Bahrain in the middle of June. Oh, Whoa! My gosh, that shit! Wow, Bahrain! <laughs> yeah, we went to yeah, we went to Bahrain, and wow. that was like that. Well, yeah, because that was the middle of June, and that was right around when Ramadan, one of their major holidays, and you know the Muslim community and stuff like that. Uh-huh. That's yeah. 
So, you know, they're, you know, strict on their customs and courtesies and stuff like that. And of course, you know, the commanding officer would give you like kind of like a little debrief of like, you know, what you should do and your rules and stuff like that to abide by, you know, before Mm -hmm. we pull into every port and stuff like that. But yeah, we went 72 straight days out at sea. I think we dropped off the Marines. uh, In, uh, yeah, in Djibouti. They did an exercise in Djibouti for about a week or two and stuff like that. And then, yeah, that's before we turned around and pulled into Bahrain and stuff like that. Jeez. After after Bahrain, we pulled in uh, to Dubai. I got to go to Dubai and see, you know, all the sites. It's it's pretty expensive around there. I mean, not like super overly expensive, but it's pretty like extravagant in a way. And it almost seems like you're still back home in the States. And, and stuff like that so it was kind of like a weird experience but it was like a good experience anyways but uh yeah i got to see the uh burj khalifa the you know the tallest building in the world you know mm-hmm. at night it lights up with like this ridiculous you know crazy light show it's a really cool spectacle show that they put on pretty much anytime oh, the wow. sun goes down, if i'm not mistaken yeah so we uh we got to see that and then after we left uh or Dubai, we ended up uh, leaving Fifth Fleet's area of responsibility, which is usually the Gulf, around you know, uh, Oman. Actually, I take that back. We went to stop in Oman in uh, Muscat, Oman first before we left Fifth Fleet. We went to Oman, stayed there for a little bit, about a week. Uh, I didn't really go out sightsee that much because, like I said, I didn't really have a whole lot of people as mm-hmm. friends on board and stuff like that. Yeah. So a lot of people went out and did their own things. I kind of did a, a no-no on deployment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went back to uh, the ship without my Liberty buddy because when you leave the ship, you're supposed to be, you know, with somebody or you know, one or at least two people and stuff like that. And we went off and did our own thing. And I went back to the ship because he wanted my Liberty buddy wanted to do something else. And I kind of got in trouble. Thankfully, I didn't get too much trouble and stuff like that. But <laughs> I kind of got placed on uh, liberty restriction. So I pretty much was confined to the ship for a while. So, I mean, like, oh, I'm, damn. I'm, a, I'm a good kid anyway. So it's like, God forbid, I want to do something that, you know, is against the rules and stuff like that. You know, live a little. <laughs> so uh, I was placed on liberty restriction until basically we got to uh, Thailand. But, yeah, so we were in Muscat, Oman. We left Fifth Fleet's uh, area of responsibility, went back into Seventh Fleet, which is basically all of the Pacific. So, like, Japan, Malaysia, Singapore, Australia, you know, that geographic area and stuff like that. So we stopped in Malaysia for a little bit. I don't remember where exactly in Malaysia, but we stopped in Malaysia. And then we stopped in, of course, like I said, Thailand for a little bit. And then after that, uh, we started making our way back home. This was like towards the end of the deployment and stuff like that. Uh, commanding officer, you know, came on. Uh, the one I'm seeing was like, yeah, there's a slight possibility that we can have our deployment extended because of what was going on at the time with North Korea. Mm. So there was a possibility that our port visit to Hawaii was going to be canceled. And I was not really looking forward to having my deployment <laughs> you know, nearby, you know, extra two, three months because I was already, you know, five, almost six months into this deployment. I'm like, I'm kind of sort of ready to go home and stuff like that. Well, yeah, 
last minute, like I think a week before we were supposed to actually get to Hawaii, they were just like, oh, you know, change the plan. It's not going to get, you know, it's not going to get extended. And we're pulling to Pearl Harbor, Hawaii for about five days. Oh, wow. I'm sure everybody was just pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, I'm sure they were because um, some people actually flew their family out to Hawaii. And this is kind of like a tradition for like the Navy, you know, for ships coming back from a deployment, they have what's called a tiger cruise. And what that is, is it allows family members of the sailors and Marines on board an opportunity to come onto the ship and kind of get an idea and experience of what it's like, you know, on board a ship. So with us possibly getting our deployment extended, that kind of got thrown out the window for mm. some folks that were going to have their families come out to Hawaii. So, I mean, we actually ended up having two uh, Tiger Cruises. One was going to be from Hawaii up until we dropped off the Marines at Camp Pendleton. And then we were going to bring more families from Camp Pendleton on while we uh, were making our way to San Diego and stuff like that. So, oh, uh, cool. yeah, we, we, we pulled into uh, Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. <clears throat> you know, we entered the harbor. Uh, this is when everybody uh, gets into their dress white uniforms. We call, uh, we go around the edge of the ship. Basically, what it's called is uh, manning the rails, essentially. And it, by God, it was the slowest entry into a port that I've ever experienced in my entire life. I mean, it was a cool experience. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but it did seem like <clears throat> it took hours just to pull to the stupid pier. <laughs> and you know, it's like it's cool for the most part. <clears throat> you know, because you're yeah. dressed twice, but you're <clears throat> breath and stuff like that, and you're trying not to lock your knees and stuff like that, so you, you know you don't pass out. <laughs> yeah, like that. You know, it's sunny as all heck, and there's no clouds in the sky whatsoever. I actually ended up getting sunburn. That's how <laughs> slow we were going through the pier. Yeah. I say the only oh, only geez. thing that made up for that long, you know, manning the rail was, you know, going by the USS Missouri and then eventually the USS Arizona Memorial. Oh, wow. wow. So it's customary that every time that a ship enters and leaves the port, we render salute. As soon as we reach the, the stern of the ship of the Missouri, we come to, you know, uh, stand at attention. We render our salutes. We go by the Missouri, and then we slowly uh, encroach the uh, the Arizona. We render our you know salutes and respects to you know those that were tragically killed you know during Pearl Harbor and stuff like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And then after we pass the Arizona, then we drop our salutes and then wait until we pull in to whatever pier we were assigned to. And the cool thing about that as well is after doing that, we pulled into our pier and stuff like that. Uh, we were literally pier side uh, diagonally across from the Missouri and the Arizona. So if you had uh, muster in the morning, basically this is when you get your plan of the day information, what you guys are going to do within your departments or stuff like that, or you just had, you know, nothing else better to do and stuff like that. Yeah. You can go onto the flight deck of Boxer as the sun was rising and you can see the Missouri and the Arizona next to each other as the sun wow. Wow. Ever. I had a picture of it on my phone. I've, I I don't know what happened to it. I think you know I've either you know thrown out the phone or whatever since I upgraded phones and stuff like that. But I don't unfortunately have the picture of that. But I had Dang. a shot of like the coolest 
a flagpole because Boxer has a a, a flag at the uh, at the back of the ship. So you see the flag, the Missouri, and then you see the Arizona. Of course, the Arizona also has you know its flag in the middle of the memorial. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow, cool. what an experience, man. Yeah, That's uh, really cool. Wow. Yeah, if you ever find that picture. God, I know. Sure We'd love to see it. Instagram. We yeah, would love friends. to see that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, can, I can dig around and try to look for it, but there's no guarantees that I can probably find that. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> yeah. We've moved twice recently since that deployment and stuff like that, so... I, I don't even know if I'm going to, like I said, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to find it or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Phones but, are like musical chairs these days. <laughs> right. But yeah. It was, it was a fun experience. You know, got to see, you know, bits and pieces of the world here and there is, you know, like a 19, 20 year old kid and stuff like that. You know, I've never, yeah, that's really I've cool. Never left Nebraska since, you know, for as long as I've been around or whatever, stuff like that. But, you know, it was a great experience. You know, I did the four four years uh, adept in October of 2014, uh, signed everything, went to boot camp in March of 2015. And then I got out a month early just because I had leave saved up in February of 2019. So I did my four years, got on, on really discharged and have any, you know, any punishments or stuff like that that would tarnish my record. And I pretty much got out clean. Oh, that's awesome. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, again, cool. thanks for your service. Yeah, thank that's you great. for your service, Brandon. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess, uh, I mean, after that, and then that's that's kind of <laughs> how you fell in love with Offit. And um, is are, is there anybody specific or a specific unit at Offit or anybody you kind of want to give a shout out? Because you know, a lot of these guys and, and, and units, they just don't get the love like the fighter units do. Right. And, um, I mean, they really I mean, deserve it. Me, yeah, don't get me wrong. I I appreciate the fighters. And stuff oh, like we that. all do. I mean, yeah, absolutely. When, when I, I cherish whenever I get like an F-16 or an F-18 to make a fuel stop here at office, I cherish the hell out of it because we don't normally get it that often. As of course, yeah. So I always appreciate that. But as for units, I mean, man, it's, it's, we got so many units here. I mean, off it is, you know, I should say the 55th wing is the largest wing inside the air combat command. Wow. We have, uh, we have the 38th reconnaissance squadron that flies the, uh, RC 135 V and W rivet joints, uh, as well as the 343rd. And then we have the 45th Reconnaissance Squadron that flies mostly all the other uh, RC-135 variants. So your uh, your Cobra Ball, your RC-135U Combat Scent. Your, Which is uh, my favorite version of the RC-135. <laughs> I, I love the way that they paint the, the shark teeth, you know, the mouth underneath right. the inlet, underneath the nose. Mm-hmm. It's like an F-16 intake. <laughs> well, believe it or not, it's actually not an inlet. It's actually a uh, receiver or kind of like an antenna, if you will, for finding uh, radar sites and stuff like that, because that's like the overall mission of the combat scent is to find uh, emitters from like both land, 
naval yeah. radars and stuff like that. So that's yeah. actually what that little section. Yeah, I, I guess I miss. I mean, it looks like an F sixteen intake. That's kind of what I, I was I, I, what I, I was trying to say. Until, <laughs> yeah, until I, I kind of did a little bit more research and digging and found out that it indeed wasn't. So yeah. Or as we know, um, as I know it, as the nuke sniffer, basically it does uh, atmospheric collecting of uh, nuclear particles in the air after, you know, like a, a nuclear reactor explosion or, you know, an atomic bomb, you know, atomic weapon testing and stuff like that. That's what the, the constant Phoenix does. Or I also call it to the, uh, the radioactive chicken. Crews <laughs> call it, kind of call it. And then recently, even though we no longer fly, uh, 45th also operated the uh, OC-135B Open Skies, which has now been officially retired, sadly, to the Boneyard and Davis-Montana Air Force Base. So the 45th also flew that. Yeah. So, and then, of course, you know, we have the, uh, the 557th Weather uh, Wing. Uh, they provide weather reports and stuff like that for the Air Force, the Army, uh Secretary of Defense and then, you know, other important people that, you know, need well weather and, you know, intelligence and stuff like that. We're the headquarters for for that. Uh, and, of course, you know, we're also the headquarters for U.S. STRATCOM, which replaced uh, Strategic Air Command as, you know, overall in charge for nuclear deterrence and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So much going on there <laughs> well and then also too we have our uh our uh, geographically separated unit with the 55th uh electronics combat group which is stationed out at uh davis montan they fly the ec 130h uh compass call mm, yeah. electronic jamming uh c-130 version or variant yeah and they're, they're like there's antennas all over that aircraft. <laughs> well, yeah, all over aircraft. It's dude. crazy. One form or another. Yeah, yeah. Something something tells <clears throat> me that uh, off at Air Force Base is kind of important. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> yeah. scary. If, you if think? there was some sort of yeah. international conflict, they'd probably look at that base because of all the reconnaissance and intelligence that's done. Yeah, and, and that kind of goes back to, like, why – I started this Instagram page in the first place was just basically kind of show everybody, you know, what the 55th wing and all the units within the wing, you know, do on a daily basis. Because like I said, they've been doing this thing since, you know, since the early sixties and stuff like that. You know, when the, you know, the RC one thirty five program kicked off and stuff like that. So we've been, you know, doing this for, you know, well over 40 plus years and then you know they're still going at it strong and stuff like that and you know with no imminent replacement coming anytime soon that i'm aware of mm-hmm. they can go all the way up into the, like the 2040s mm-hmm. yeah wow wow <clears throat> yeah great great information that's you know, a lot of people don't know about Offit, and so that's cool. I mean, anybody listening, I mean, I've I've learned some things too. Just, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> just chatting. Well, and I want today. to, uh, um, I want to ask you too before we just kind of go over some of the current events and things, and maybe other stuff yeah. you want to talk about. Um, 
How many times have you been to the Strategic Air Command Museum? Too many damn times to count. Oh. <laughs> and I'm so, jealous. Never been, I've been there. there. I've been um, there once. Yeah, you gotta cut. Well, especially now. I mean, we just uh, you guys have already seen. If you're not already aware, your listeners are aware. Uh, SAC Museum. Well, it's the Strategic Air or Strategic Air Command Aerospace Museum. I still call it the SAC Museum. I, yeah, I that's know. what I call it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. SAC Museum. Uh, so we recently acquired our first aircraft since 1998. It is a F117A Nighthawk straight out of Tenapov. They went all the way out to Tenapov, picked it up, put it on a flatbed, drove it all the way from Nevada through you know Wyoming, Utah you know, bits of Colorado and then into Nebraska. So we picked up our F-117. And then here, just actually today, as a matter of fact, we ended up picking up a MiG-23 flogger from the National Air Force Museum out of Wright Pat. Oh, that's cool. Ohio. That's really cool. So now we got a flogger. So it's it's been a while since I've been there. I mean, it's probably been almost 20 years since I've been to the SAC museum, which is what I'll call it. Um, does my memory serve that they have an actual B-36 in there? Yes, we oh, have yeah. four surviving B-36J peacemakers still. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I can't for I'm surprised you didn't remember that. <laughs> Tony, that was like the Hill Air well, Force Base Museum. We get well, we the have Hill Air Force a piece of a landing gear of a B-36. yeah they have a main yeah, right exactly. okay, <laughs> yeah so it but, is uh, well that B thirty six is impressive man B 36s and then the fact that there's only four left in you know the entire world is like mm-hmm. bananas to me yeah were you, yeah so that, you were with this Ryan see I don't remember that either. <laughs> well, you must have been going through that time in your life, brother. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, no, I think it's more the fact that I'm going through that time in my life now. Um, <laughs> yeah, my life apparently, the memory is the first thing to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, our elder brother. But I do yeah. remember it now that you say it's there. That That's that funny. aircraft is absolutely amazing. Um, I'm trying to think. <clears throat> what else? There was a B-58 Hustler in there. Yep. Um, and of course, we oh. have the first operational uh, delivered B-52B. Well, it's our B-52, but it's a the B-52B that I recently did a post about that the 93rd Bomb Wing accepted. It was the first one, so we have that on display here. Uh, we have, of course, the B-47E Stratojet. And then a wide variety of other aircraft. I mean, we have an EF-11 Raven, which nice. is the electronic. The you know, Spark Vark. Yeah, the Spark Vark <laughs> of, you know, the F-111. Uh, we have a KC-97G uh, Stratocruiser, the tanker, that uh, eventually mm-hmm. led way to the KC-135. Cool. We have a U-2C Dragon Lady, of course, you know, the high-altitude aerial reconnaissance aircraft, and that right smack dab, as soon as you walk into the museum in the atrium, you have an SR-71 Blackbird. Nice. nice. Oh, oh, that's yeah. SR-71. Yeah, had anything to do with the Cold War and SAC, we pretty much have it all, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Aaron and I... Um, <laughs> We got to do like a little media event at the Hill Museum, 
and actually sit in the cockpit of the SR-71. It was pretty awesome. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, And I almost forgot, too, we also are one of two museums in the country, other than the um, Wings Over the Rocky Museum in Colorado, that has a B-1A Lancer. Oh, that's cool. The A model. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, they they only built built two of them. Right? Yeah, because it was just before before, uh, Jimmy, President Jimmy Carter shut down the program. Right. So that's got the the white and silver paint job, right? No, we it is green and gray right now. Oh, okay. Khaki camouflage color, and Mm -hmm. it's currently outside of the museum for whatever reason. I don't know why, because the museum doesn't have a lot of space inside. (laughs) Yeah, the museum should look into like expanding a little bit. I I don't want to like overly criticize them or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I know. A little bit more, and well, actually, I take that back. Um, There was a recent Twitter post I saw that they were planning actually on repainting the B1A into an all white uh, paint scheme. I think it's like the testing paint scheme. That yeah. I, yeah. That's right. I think that's what they're going for now. Oh, that would be awesome after, to see after that. The, uh, after they paint the, uh, the EC 135 C looking glass, I think that's their next project other besides also the F one seventeen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Wow. Oh man. Covered a lot. What is there? Um, is there anything that we didn't really cover that you wanted to mention, Brandon? Something that you wanted to bring up? Uh, yeah, we can kind of talk a little bit about uh, SAC if you guys want to. Yeah. Kind of like the tree that we played and stuff like that. I, I kind of found out, you know, through a couple books that I have and whatnot about, you know, kind of the onset of SAC. And I was like, wow, it wasn't really as great as it was in the early stages when it was first formed. Mm hmm. You know, because everybody, you know, know it, you know, now as like, you know, one of the preeminent, you know, military commands and, you know, during the Cold War and stuff like that. But it was like, it oh, wasn't yeah. really the case when it got off and its infancy and stuff like that. And a lot of people don't also know, too, is that SAC was around first before the Air Force actually became its own branch. Hmm. Didn't know so that. SAC was older than the Air Force. So, uh, SAC was originally started at Bowling Field outside of Washington, D.C. Uh, it was under the U.S. Army Air Corps. It was formed on uh, March 21st, 1946. And then eventually, uh, several months later, it switched over to uh, Andrews uh, Field. This is before, you know, of course, the Air Force came over, mm-hmm. you know, became its own independent, you know, branch, whatever, and created the Air Force bases and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it was. It was at uh, Andrews for for a long time, and then they kind of got the idea, well, if the Soviets, you know, develop nuclear weapons and stuff like that, that if the range was going to, you know, make it to the East Coast, it makes no sense to have the headquarters of SAC literally outside of Washington, D.C., you know, during uh-huh. the start of World War Three. So at the stroke or half past the stroke of midnight on November 9th, 1948, SAC moved from Andrews Field to Offutt Field, or Offutt Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. And that's why Offutt was chosen as the headquarters, because it was centrally located in the uni- middle of the United States. 
well past what we thought at the time of the range of any Soviet missiles and stuff like that. So that was kind of like why it was chosen. Yeah, that makes sense. And <clears throat> General Curt- or Lieutenant General Curtis LeMay was not actually the first commander of SAC. That actually went to uh, George Kenny. He was actually General Kenny was the first commander of SAC, but he didn't really do a whole lot with what he was given. He had uh, another responsibility with the United Nations for it's kind of like air group and stuff like that from what I've read and he kind of left it up to his uh, vice deputy or his deputy commander stuff like that. Uh, It was uh, uh, well first it was uh, St. Clair uh, Street was his uh, deputy commander but then after seven months of being uh, deputy commander for General Kenny, he decided to leave, and then uh, Lieutenant General uh, McMullen took over and basically destroyed SAC. I mean, he ended up creating uh, a crossover training program within SAC uh, that a lot of crews didn't like. It was basically essentially having like a pilot learn how to become a tail gunner, a tail gunner becoming a navigator. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, it's a lower manpower or different roles within the aircraft, essentially. Mm-hmm. And basically, like, everybody hated being at SAC. Like, you didn't want to get assigned to SAC, essentially. And people left in droves and stuff like that. Well, uh, Hoyt Vandenberg, or General Hoyt Vandenberg, uh, when he was the chief of staff of the Air Force, wanted a report you know, report about, you know, the readiness of SAC from General Kenny. General Kenny kind of, you know, lied about the readiness. Like, oh, yeah, you know, we're ready to go in case, you know, Soviet attack was going to be imminent. And, you know, with General uh, Vandenberg, you know, being the general that he was, was like, I, I don't really find that anything to be true. So he decided to launch his own kind of like uh, internal investigation. So what he ended up doing was he sent a famous pilot, uh, Charles Lindbergh to various SAC bases throughout the United States to fly with the crews to see how their training and stuff went. And then he also sent uh, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Paul Tibbetts, who was uh, eventually the commander of the 509th bomb group, you know, the unit that dropped the atomic bomb. He also, sent him to SAC to see, you know, how the chain of command structure was there at SAC, at the SAC headquarters here in office to see how everything was being ran. And basically when, you know, he got in touch with uh, the chief of staff of the Air Force, he's like, look, sir, nobody here at SAC has any idea what they're doing. Even uh, Charles Lindbergh was just like, yeah, these pilots are absolutely terrible. Like, they're Bombing accuracy when it comes to doing train sucks. He even went as far as to say they were worse than civilian airline pilots. That was Jeez. how bad stack crews were before wow. Curtis LeMay came into the picture. Yeah, because because when I when I think of strategic air command, I mean I think of you know Curtis LeMay. I mean you know him and his cigar and you know just <laughs> the epitome of just you know air power united states you know back in gosh <laughs> you know this is this is after world war ii 
right. you know, basically transitioned to strategic air command after that in the early years of the Cold War. And well, and, and the sad uh, thing too is just like General <clears throat> Kennedy decided that he just wanted to spend more time advocating for you know, yeah, the Air Force to be its own individual branch, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. new branch within the the military. So a lot of his attention and focus wasn't on sack you know building sack to yeah what what eventually became so you know a lot of people you know felt that that wasn't the right thing to do and of course you know general uh vandenberg decided to say look i don't have any confidence in you whatsoever Uh, from what i've been told every your readiness sucks essentially and so he removed general kenny and handed over the reins to Lieutenant General Curtis LeMay. And then that's yeah. how he, you know, with his, you know, iron fist, you know, no nonsense leadership turned SAC into what it was for, you know, a better part of the entire cold war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the same thing though, too, is when, uh, when, you know, Curtis LeMay got to, you know, SAC headquarters and stuff like that. He said there was one guy that was, uh, in a hangar, and he was guarding an air, aircraft, and he was guarding it with nothing but a ham sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? A little you different now. As you know, the most you know stringent you know military force in the United States Air Force. If all you're doing is guarding a plane with a ham sandwich. Well, and then, and then you wonder why so many Russian and Chinese airplanes looked a lot like ours. <laughs> no doubt. So Seriously, for, you know, Lieutenant John Curtis LeMay, you know, SAC wouldn't become you know what it was. You know, he got rid of the cross training uh, program that you know McMullen had instituted and stuff like that. You know, he did uh, on-the-spot promotions for anybody or any officer or any enlisted that, you know, exceeded his expectations and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. I've, you know, although his attitude and his demeanor seemed, you know, sh- he was kind of like a, a strict but fair father c- kind of in a way. Like, even though you may not, you know, necessarily like him or his, you know, approaches to leadership and stuff like that, a lot of people within SAC still – respect to the hell out of the man well he got shit done and he got it done the right way because our readiness during the cold war was unmatched and so you know absolutely and then of course you know with his push for you know seeing the potential in the kc-135 and getting that thing rolling Mm -hmm. you know and then also of course you know incorporating the you know, B-52 in the picture and stuff like that. I mean, don't get me wrong, the B-36 was great and stuff like that, but, you know, there was some issues with it. It was going to be as effective as, a like, you know, a strategic strategic heavy bomber. You know, they needed something a little bit faster, so yeah. they kind of looked into the B-47. Well, the B-47 didn't really have the range that it needed, so that's why they kind of started utilizing aerial refueling a little bit more, and then mm-hmm. with you know, the KC-97 being, you know, propeller-driven, trying to refuel a fast-moving, you know, B-47. Yeah. That just wasn't going to cut it and stuff like that. So, of course, you well, know, everything needed to be jet-powered, so they switched from, you know, the B-47 over to the B-52 and then and introduced the KC-135. Mm-hmm. Well, and the interesting thing, too, and we had Sluggo on here not too long ago, Curtis yeah. LeMay 
you know, played a huge role in the success of the the KC-135 because Boeing had initially lost the contract and it went to um, it went to Lockheed, but they they couldn't get their tanker off off the ground. And so on board. Yeah, it was the right. One thirty nine. Right. So so Curtis LeMay ordered a handful of KC-135s to get them by until the Lockheed tanker could uh, actually, uh, until they could actually even get a working model of it. But then they eventually just went through with it. So, yeah. So, well, I the Saturday that. too is just like when the KC-97 would, would refuel the B-47, you know, the B-47 had to go fast enough to where it couldn't stall during air refueling, which was basically almost like 400 miles per hour. And the KC-97 you know, had to go as fast as it could operationally go. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, know, you had to be basically essentially really good at aerial refueling, you know, trying to refuel with a propeller driven plane as the refueler. And then you have a jet bomber like the B 47 trying to, you know, play catch up or, you know, trying to yeah. max air speeds to the so- aircraft and not stall the aircraft and stuff like that during the aerial. Well, and- and the KC-97 had a much lower ceiling than the B-47, so it had to come way down from altitude. <laughs> yeah. So you think about it. He'd come down, he'd slow down, he'd refuel, and then yep. he probably used a large portion of that fuel just to get back <laughs> up to speed and altitude. So, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it made a lot of sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But wow. Yeah, he he kick-started that, and, of course, you know, he – uh he instituted, you know, a ground alert for all the aircraft and stuff like that, where you would, you know, sit on the r- runway or whatever, or close nearby in what they call uh, mole holes, essentially, at the end of a runway. And when the klaxon would go off, you know, saying like, hey, you guys need to get ready to get to your aircraft and stuff like that, the, you know, the engines would already be running. The, the pre-checks have already been gone through with, you know, the maintenance personnel and that, you know, they were airborne within 15 minutes. Well, originally it wasn't actually like that to start off. Uh, there was a whole lot of issues uh, in, in the early stages before they started flying alert. Uh, all the atomic weapons that the United States possessed fell under the atomic energy uh, commission. And they had all their atomic weapons and stuff like that, that they've built in New Mexico. So what SAC had to do was fly from, say, like a base out at, you know, Lauren Air Force Base in, you know, Massachusetts, fly all the way to New Mexico, pick up the bomb, take the or take the bomb all the way back to the base, which, you know, took like a 12 to 14 hour process in and of itself, have to, you know, assemble the bomb, arm the bomb to, you know, be ready to go for usage. So you were looking at alert time anywhere between you know 72 to 96 hours if say yeah. a russian yeah. you know ballistic is approaching <clears throat> or you know aircraft wow. so what he ended up decided to do was just like well that's a waste of time how can i cut this down well he had to fight you know with you know politicians and stuff mm-hmm. like that where mm-hmm. he can get the atomic bomb stored at the sack bases instead and train the crew on how to assemble the bomb, arm the bomb, so they can get loaded onto the plane. Well, he, even then, that cut your time down to 24 to 48 hours, you know, for alert. Well, then, 
instead of also doing that, he decided, well, hey, why don't we just assemble the bombs, put the bombs on the aircraft, leave them in the aircraft, and when the aircraft takes off and stuff like that, the crew are trained to where they can just activate the bomb while on board the plane while in flight. Mm. That kind of like lowered the uh, the time down essentially for standing right. alert. Like that. So, Brandon, you're yeah. like an encyclopedia of information <laughs> on the Strategic <laughs> Air Command. Um, it, well, did you get a lot of this just from just from you doing your own like research and studying? Or I know a lot of this information on a very basic level is available yeah. at the SAC uh, Museum just outside of Omaha. But is that where where did you get all this knowledge? I'm just curious. Um, just uh, basically, there's um, a book I want to give a kind of a shout out to. Um, Mr. Uh, Robert S. Hopkins III, he is a former RC-135 pilot. He was a KC-135A pilot and also an EC-135 pilot. He's kind of like a Cold War historian and stuff like that. So he kind of has a book called uh, uh, The Boeing KC-135, More Than a Strato Tank or More Than a Tanker. Hmm. Say that again. It is the... Boeing KC-135 Stratotanker, more than a tanker. And essentially, it's just oh. like this big book that I have that has every single variant ever of the KC-135 packed into this book. And he kind of goes over a little bit of the history about that's SAC cool. and whatnot. So that's, oh, that's how cool. I learned a little bit about SAC. And, of course, you know, I've read a couple books and stuff like that. But <clears> it includes oh, all of well, you know. Oh, I think it's like 32 variants of the K- of the KC-135 in wow. some form or another. Wow. I'll, uh, I'll make sure I put a link to that. I'll take a look for it and put a link to it in the uh, in the show notes at the end of this. On uh, Amazon. Uh, oh, cool. I think there's, okay. only, there's like eight books left in stock, though, so I don't know. I don't know if he's going to restock it or Amazon's no. going to restock it. Uh, Let, also let's see if we can get uh, let's see if we can get both listeners of the Ramcheck podcast to buy up the final eight copies. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> he, he also uh, he also did that book, and then he also did one for the B forty seven, and then also uh, Strategic Air Command's uh, operations over in the United Kingdom as well. Oh, cool! And then he's got another one coming out here in August. Oh, nice! Well, do you know the title yet, or? Uh, I think it was, uh, uh, Cla- yeah, it was Klaxon, and then it was like Strategic Air Command, and like uh, goes to war in Europe. It, it's on Amazon if you like. You look up uh, his cool. name or just uh, th- even just the book in- itself. But okay. it, it, I just I just looked it up while we were yeah. talking. Go ahead, Rack. Is- oh, sorry, I have a little delay. Um, I just looked it up on Amazon while we were talking, and it does say there are eleven in stock. Get yours now. Okay, so one final question for you, Brandon. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Are you going to come hang with us at Red Flag? Oh, I already got tickets and hotel booked already. Yeah, so what week are you going down? Same week you guys, the 19th through the 23rd. Oh, Hell yeah. Yes. We'll be able to meet you. That's cool. That's Where are you, awesome. Where are you guys staying at? Uh, oh, a couple places. A couple different <laughs> places. <laughs> Aaron, they're Aaron they're top just, secret. Uh, I'll, I'll be staying at the uh, the Four Queens out in Las Vegas. That's where I'm staring at. Cool. 
Cool. Okay. We'll be at, um, oh, shit. I can't remember if we're at the Cosmopolitan or Planet Hollywood. It's one of those two. Uh, and then okay. I'm at, yeah, I'll be staying at the MGM, the Signature Towers. I've got my my uh, my wife and 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 kid and stepdaughters. They're they're gonna hang out at the pool all day while we're out at Nellis. <laughs> so got them in town. So we got a suite up there, and actually, it's got a good view of McCarran too. So I'm hoping to get some like cool, like maybe early morning, you know, late evening stuff, late afternoon. Yeah, I was Karen. I was thinking about either staying at the uh, the MGM or the the Luxor, and then I saw that <laughs> the the Four Queens was a little bit cheaper. On oh my, yeah, uh, well that's good. A lot closer to yeah. I went to the, the Four Queens. Well, last time that I went to the first Red Flag twenty one, I stayed up at the uh, Holiday Inn. That's right across from uh, Nellis, so that's where I stayed for like the two days I was out there. Cool. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, we'll we've, uh, stayed, we'll, we've stayed at that Motel Six right off the freeway too. It's oh yeah, we, yeah, that that's so close. That's kind of weird. <laughs> the what? I said I thought you were going to stay at like at an overpass, like an overhead. Or oh. <laughs> well, if there if there was flying, you know, all morning, all night, never, you know, <laughs> we may consider that. But uh, <laughs> um, but uh, we've we've got a uh, we've got a, a red flag patch that we'll give you. When we okay. uh, when we meet up, we made a bunch of red flag patches and for twenty one three, and uh, those are actually I've available on. on I've, got a patch uh, of my own. I've got the uh, my f- aircraft over off at the five ninety fifth C two G patch with the uh, silhouette of the E four. So cool! I got like twenty five left over. Uh, a huge shout out to uh, Talon Ranch. He is a former uh, combat Talon two uh, guy. He uh, helped me out with the patch, so uh, oh, that's awesome. appreciate him. Uh, you know, helping me get that set up. Uh, thinking about doing another one here soon. He's kind of uh, busy, you know, doing you know other patch designs and patchwork for other aviation photographers. So yeah, sometime in like the fall or something, I'll reach out to him and you know get the second patch, you know, cool. going hopefully. Well, Good. again, for all. For all of our listeners uh, out there, Brandon, one more time, give us your Instagram handle and uh, where else you might be out there on social media. Right. So I got, uh, of course, Instagram is uh, aircraft over office. That's predominantly where I post a lot of my pictures. Uh, I kind of do Twitter here and there, but it's just for like those that don't have uh, Instagram and stuff like that. It's uh, mm-hmm. office Spotter 96 on Twitter and stuff like that. But Predominantly, all my pictures will be up on Instagram unless Instagram decides to like change things around. That's the latest rumor that I've, I've I've heard and stuff like that. But yeah, that's where you can you know reach out and ask me any questions that you guys may have. You know, I'm always willing to answer any questions that people might have and kind of share some knowledge that they may not have known or you know whatever the case may be. Sweet you know, it's military, it's at the aviation side of things, or you know, photography. You know, I ask a lot of people all the time for you know tips and tricks, uh, you know, better myself as a photographer to get better and stuff like that. And it's always amazing that you know everybody's so cool about it and are willing to you know make some time for you to help out and uh, you know, yeah, help you, get, help you get better as a photographer and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so, it's a cool, it's a cool community. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, great. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, We, 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 uh, appreciate, uh, you jumping on board and again, we appreciate your support and, uh, you know, you, you have some of our, uh, our E4 ramp swag too. That, yeah, that we made at your request. Right. <laughs> I got the snap back and uh, that's about it. So I need like a hoodie or a pair of sweatpants or something, man. Like I want to yeah. rock more, but you know, I mean, I know you're a busy guy. And I'm, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm the type of person that likes to talk shit on people anyways. You know, if, I, if I talk to me, it's because I usually, you know, I like you or whatever, the person or whatever. So That's all good, man. <laughs> all good. But I've also, well, I've also forgot. You got you got your sticker too. That yep. I've got on my uh, PlayStation Four currently. So nice. I that sticker and stuff. And of course, well, also right now I'm wearing a shirt that I had uh, made for me. That is a uh, first uh, Airborne Command and Control Squadron shirt. It's all black. It's got the first uh, ACCS on the front. And then I have my uh, aircraft over off-grid logo on the back. Cool. Very nice. My buddies that flies on the E4. Very cool. Right? That's cool. (laughs) Well, yeah. Dang. Yeah, we've... uh, I'm excited. Oh, go ahead, brother. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was just finishing it up. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say I'm excited. We'll get to meet you out at Red Flag. That's cool. Um, And uh, we're going to be out there as well. Uh, let's see that first, that first week. So sorry, yeah, I'm just pulling everything up on my calendar. Any, here. Anybody that's listening that, uh, you know, come and find us, you know, we'll be there, you know, the majority of that first week. And yep. if you're wearing, if you're wearing some ramp swag <laughs> from the ramp swag store, we'll give you a free red flag patch. Yep, um, we'll have stickers. We'll have other ramp swag and, as well. Yeah, and and then while we're out there, we'll also have discounted um, patches. We'll sell the patches discounted <laughs> as well. Oh, I almost forgot. Uh, one of my buddies that I became friends with is uh, RC135 uh, Rivet Joint pilot. He will fly his aircraft out here soon, and he's going to go participate in uh, 21-3. So, oh, nice. Hopefully, nice. hopefully, me and him, we can uh, hook up and you know, talk, shoot the shit a little bit. And, uh, yeah, he'll be, uh, participating in uh 21 dash three. He'll be bringing out a rivet joint for the exercise. Very of course, cool. obviously the rivet joint flies mostly at night. So I know, I know. Hopefully, hopefully they can fly, you know, just as the sunset with there's enough light, but you know, hey, it's, you know, it's not my call and stuff like that, but <laughs> yeah. when he's not busy and stuff like that, he can, I told him, I was like, we can meet up by, you know, the, the speedway or whatever. And, yeah, kind of shoot the shit, and then, you know, kind yeah. of teaching like a little bit about aviation photography and whatnot. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. We'd love to, you know, get lots of uh, lots of content while we're out there. Obviously, photographs, video. We want to chat with uh, you know fellow av geeks. Um, yeah. You know, get some more stuff for our YouTube channel as well. So, well, good. Well, once again, everybody, uh, don't forget we are going to be out there for Red Flag. Uh, we'll be out there Monday the 19th. Holy shit, that's like a week from Monday. That's yeah, awesome. I know. I know. Coming right up. Uh, we'll be out there Monday the 19th, uh, at least through Wednesday the 21st um, yeah. out at Red Flag itself. So we'll yeah. look forward to seeing everybody out there. Um, 
if you don't have any ramp swag yet, uh, you can go to the ramp swag store. Not sure if you'll be able to get your stuff in time. Yeah. Uh, for red flag, but you know what? Go on there and order some ramp swag anyway. Um, <laughs> we've, we've got all kinds of cool stuff. Obviously, t-shirts, stickers, patches. Um, I see a um, the villain Arctic Splinter beach towel now. Is yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, the F five. Yes, definitely. And so, yeah, lots of uh, lots of great stuff on there. Make sure you check out the Ramp Swag store. Of course, you can uh, if you want to support us as well. You can do what Brandon did, and uh, you can sign up to be um, one of our. What's that? <laughs> Dave, stop it. You're flattering me too much. <laughs> yeah. You're me too much love right now. Well, it's just because you're so damn smart. That's, uh, that's the thing. Yeah. Um, but you can support us. Go to uh, Patreon dog, patreon.com. Patreon. Don't hurt yourself. Yeah. Slash uh, <laughs> Ramp Check Global. You'll see us on there. There's uh, there's a few different levels you can sign up for. If you sign up to be an expert ab geek, again, like Brandon did, um, you can uh, you'll be able to come on the Ramp Check podcast, chat with this. You'll have input on future podcasts. And anyway, just go take a look at it. It's on Patreon. Uh, the Ramp Swag Store. Uh, what's that? I said, shoot, I did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. there you go. Exactly. Um, go to rampcheckglobal.com. That's, uh, that's going to get you to the Ramp Swag store. That's going to uh, take you to our aerospace and aviation news website, um, which would be Ramp Check Report. Check report. And then, of course, uh, it's going to guide you to uh, everywhere that you can catch the Ramp Check podcast. It's, uh, it's all right there in one nicely wrapped little package, <laughs> Ramp Check Global. <laughs> that's right that's right all right well uh yeah brandon aka yeah. aircraft over Offit. thank you again so much for uh joining us here on the ramp check podcast and of course uh thank you again oh, yeah, for your service, man. yeah i mean thanks for having me on uh appreciate you know all the support that you guys have you know given to me you know since you know when i first started this page back in 2019 you know helping me out and stuff like that and your guys' support and whatnot. So uh, I appreciate it deeply. It's invaluable. And I look forward to, you know, supporting you guys, you know, for, for quite a while. And uh, yeah, if you guys ever want to, you know, have me back on, you know, cover, you know, more things that we didn't get a chance to cover today. I mean, I'm more than willing to, you know, hop on and. Sure. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, Absolutely. Cool. Just, just let me know anytime. You got it. You got it, man. All right. Before we head out, uh, Aaron or Ryan, anything you guys uh, needed to bring up? Uh, no, um, no, that's it. We covered a lot. Yeah, Ryan, no, I just you? wanted to add, just, uh, just kind of letting Tony do your plug. And I, I do want to give my own personal thank you to Brandon. I, I just wanted to say, like, uh, one of the things I love about uh doing this podcast with my brothers is it puts us in contact with with people like you and you know i've been going to air shows ever since i saw top gun when i was like six years old or however old it was um and i worked in the aviation community for about 17 years and every time we have a guest on i always learn something new um i knew that off it Air Force Base existed. I didn't know the history behind it. I didn't know that's where the Night Watch was based until I 
started looking at your Instagram. And so, you know, um, it's people like you that support us, you know, which is why we do what we yeah. do. And the cool thing, I, last yep. thing I just want to say about aviation is, is we can talk about so much history about it, but it's always changing too. And so it just seems like it's a never ending topic oh, yeah. and we could talk literally for hours and hours. So anyway, thanks for all the information right. and your input. Um, I definitely learned quite a bit tonight. So um yeah just wanted to add that so thanks again appreciate that ryan betcha yeah absolutely well said brother thank you all right well said and and ryan uh while you're talking you might as well give everybody your social media info oh yeah uh yes please (laughs) follow me at rum follow me that's uh both twitter and instagram you search those handles and you'll find me darren yep at Aaron Rumfollow, but obviously the Av Geek portion of my life is all through Ramp Check Global. Same. <laughs> Perfect. And um, I still don't have an Instagram. <laughs> You're still in Insta jail. Are you like I'm, a boomer or I'm, something? What's that? Said, are you like a boomer or something? Do you he, not know what Instagram is? Uh, no, no, he, actually he had one, but... but COVID and they censored him, so... He, I mean, you can't be doing that kind of stuff, man. What's wrong with you? They put me in Instagram jail. I still don't have. I think I'm going to jump on that uh, class action lawsuit that uh, President Trump just announced. (laughs) See if I can get a nickel out of it or something. (laughs) Um, But uh, I I do have a Twitter still. It's at TRumFollow. I'm not very active on there. Again, um, the majority of all of our activity is at RampCheckGlobal.com. Uh, that would be on Instagram as well. Don't forget www.ramcheckglobal.com. That'll get you everywhere you need. That'll get you your ramp swag. That'll get you the latest aviation and aerospace news. And of course, that'll take you to the podcast, which is available on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, uh, Pandora, mm. Stitcher, um, good Lord, who else am I forgetting here? SoundCloud. Platform that does streaming. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. And of course, we've got our YouTube channel as well at Ramp Check Global uh, over there. So, uh, well, I think that's about it. Unless anybody else has something, Ryan, I believe you're up. And before <laughs> I give my signature Canadian send off, which is just goes back to. Is it the Ryan, Ryan Reynolds one? <laughs> no, no, it's no. from Strange from Brew. Strange Brew, yeah. We just always loved it, and <laughs> it just sort of came out in our first couple episodes. Um, <laughs> but I feel like I need to add something to the send-off. Um, so you guys ready? And what is that? I, I, I got to make it a little yes. more American rather, because, rather than Canadian. So I think I'm going to say, good day and God bless America. <laughs>